Hey everyone, this Halloween we're hosting a virtual live show with our good friends over at Colt Podcast. This double feature is part of a Panic Fest online tricks and treats event. Because of the pandemic, a lot of us aren't able to properly celebrate our favorite time of year. However, now we have an opportunity to have some spooky fun and help out some friendly folks in Kansas City. 25% of each purchase goes to help keep the Screenland Armor, one of our favorite theaters in America, in business. Additionally, we'll be releasing some limited edition merch. So from now until Thursday, October 8th, you could pre-order your own piece of Horror Virgin and Cult Podcast history. Tickets are on sale now for $20, and our shirts are available for $25. However, we're offering a bundle yeah. for $40 where you get both. It's going to be so much fun, and we can't wait to see all of you there. More information is available at cultpodcastshow.com. Remember that these shirts are super limited edition and are only available for pre-order until October 8th. So see you all soon, and keep it spooky. Keep it ooky spooky. Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Tristam, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Matthew, Karun, Eddie, Nick B., and Chris. And Chris and all the patrons want you all to know that you are loved and you are listened to and you are an important member of this awesome community. So thank you guys so much for supporting and loving the podcast so much. And if you want to hear the continued saga of the Patreonicals, stay tuned at the end of the episode. Do you guys hear that? What? There's like scratching on the door. I think it's our theme music, but I, I killed the theme music yesterday. Do you guys see how bad it was raining earlier today? It like burned my skin. <laughs> Guess I should stop dancing naked in graveyards. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a shirt that says thick thighs and spooky vibes, and I'm just eating as many pumpkin items as I can. Well, you know it's fall out west because the sky's turned orange. (laughs) (laughs) We can't breathe outside. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm the Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch The Return Return of of the the Living Living Dead. Dead. Yes. I think I should have made you watch Night of the Living Dead first because I feel like you've probably missed the you missed a lot. We'll have to come back around and watch Night of the Living Dead. There is also some errors about Night of the Living Dead in this movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'll get to it when we get to it within the film. But fair enough. So, have you guys seen this movie before? Yep. I had never seen this movie before. Oh, all right. Same, same <laughs> with me, Paige. And I am a zombie fan. And oh, I yeah? did not even know this movie existed. And I am so glad that it's in my life same. now. Same. <laughs> I loved it. Same. And I will say, this has the scariest zombies of any movie ever. I don't know about that. Oh, no, I no. C- 100%. Oh, because you can't kill them. It's more than just that, Paige. With zombie movies, you either have fast zombies or slow zombies. That's it. That's like their biggest defining factor. In this movie, they're fast zombies. They can talk. Mm-hmm. They can set traps for the cops yeah. when they come. They're like hyper-intelligent, super-fast beings that want to eat your brain. There is no <laughs> zombies that are truly scarier than this zombie. They are truly <laughs> reanimated beings. Yes. They're not just reanimated corpses. It's like right. it brings the person back, which is wild. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Which Todd, is, this I think this is the movie where fast zombies came from. Is it? I have fun facts about it. Okay, these zombies. I I mean, they're not scary because the movie's not scary. But like, if you think about a scary world, like if Christopher Nolan did this movie, the zombies would be so scary. Yeah. I saw this as a child. <laughs> this is not a movie a child should see, Mike. It is not. I'm pretty sure it's made for adults. I'm surprised that it's not rated R, and I think it's... Wait, this is not rated R? So there was a weird thing in the 80s oh, where that's right. The, that's right. the current rating system didn't exist, and so things like upper torso nudity didn't get the same rating that they would today. Trash is completely naked like throughout half of the movie. She's actually not, and I've got notes on that later. Really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So it came on a lot in like TNT, like all that stuff. How? I don't understand how you could do this movie edited because Trash is legit naked the entire time she's on screen, except for like the very first scene. They did the old fashioned like blur. Oh, so was this the first time you'd seen it unedited? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So what was your thought now that you saw her trash naked, I guess? It's still funny. (laughs) It is. Yeah. But, man, that one character was naked the whole movie, and I don't remember that. I thought it was scarier as an adult, and I liked it better as a film as like today than I probably ever have. Oh, this film is a blast. Yeah. Like, I'll be real with you. It's bad in the best way. Yeah, this movie is objectively terrible, but it's funny. Like, it's fun to watch because it's terrible. This movie is hilarious. Yeah. Here's what I'll say about this movie that I really, really appreciated that most bad movies like this get horribly wrong, and this movie doesn't. It sets clear rules and clear expectations for the monster that shaped the rest of the film. I do think they kind of write themselves into a corner a little bit by making them damn near impossible to kill. But we, from like minute 10 or so in this movie, know the rules of this world, and it does not deviate from them. Let's just get to this fucking movie, because we've got a lot to talk about. Let's, Let's get there. So the film opens with a title card that says, the events portrayed in this film are all true, names are real names of real people and real organizations and then we immediately cut to a building that says you need a medical supply you need it we got it none larger which is the fakest name ever (laughs) (laughs) but i like that it sets up out of the gate that this is going to be a silly movie immediately yeah and i think we get that shot of the sign specifically for that where they were just like (laughs) Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. I also think they're poking fun at movies, and I realize, like, The Conjuring hadn't come out yet, but movies like that that say they're based on real events, but they're not. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Amityville Horror had come out, so I think mm, it's probably... Mm. And Texas Chainsaw. And Texas Chainsaw. So that's probably what it is, yeah. We then get a timestamp that says July 3rd, 1984, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I thought it was weird that they went with daylight, but sure. Yeah, most movies go with standard. Most movies would be like Eastern Standard Time. (laughs) But they're like, no, 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 it's daylight savings. And we felt the need to tell you specifically about it. It's very important to the plot, though, Paige. I mean, it comes up never. (laughs) I mean, it's this is a Mikey movie. So this is. is. (laughs) So we cut to inside the medical supply and Bert, the man who owns the medical supply, is leaving. He says the lab is closing up for the day. One of the guys is going to stay with the new kid. The guy who's going to stay is Frank. 
The new kid is Freddy. Yeah. And I believe Frank is Freddy's uncle. I thought he was just referring to himself as the uncle because I he was like showing tell. him the ropes or whatever. I couldn't tell either. You might 100% be right, but I just felt like Frank was like this creepy older dude. Yeah, I thought he was just a stranger. <laughs> and then as Bert is leaving, he just says, see you Sunday at the yes. barbecue. And then he says, no matter what happens, don't name it after me, which is the strangest thing to say after leaving a room. Yeah, what were they referring to? <laughs> They're going to make a baby. Yeah, I, I thought that was the implication of just like, whatever trouble you get into, don't name it after me. The implication being that they would have a baby and name it after him, which doesn't make a ton of sense. I thought they were talking about partying 4th of July weekend. They are talking about partying 4th of July weekend because it is 4th of July weekend. Yes. Frank then takes Freddie on a tour of the medical supply facility. Right. And he starts by helping him fill an order for two adult female skeletons with perfect teeth. This warehouse, though, is legit the most ridiculous place of all time. It's bonkers. Because it looks like a, a standard, like a retail warehouse where it's just got like shelves. But the things they have on those shelves and the things that they consider to be their normal merchandise is crazy. Yeah. Like a half a dog? Half a dog. Yeah. We'll get to the split dogs in a second. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> so they pull a skeleton down and pack it in a crate. At that point, I realized that Freddy looks strikingly like a dude that I went to high school with and had a crush on, which was, yes. it was upsetting. I feel like Freddy and Frank had the saddest storyline of the movie. Oh, is it because they slowly died over the course of the movie and then one of them commits suicide? I have notes about the suicide later, but if oh. it makes you feel any better, uh, everyone in this movie dies. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. It's a, it's a comedy, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, Freddie asks Frank, "Where do you get all these skeletons from?" Oh, you know, the skeleton farm in India that everyone yes, knows about. <laughs> which is not where people get skeletons from. No. <laughs> it's the most bizarre answer. He says, "All skeletons come from India. There's an international treaty." No. No, there's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he follows it up with how should I know? The real question is, how do they get so many with perfect teeth? How many people do you know die with perfect teeth? Which, by the way, is a great question. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that is very fair. Also, these skeletons are clearly just plaster. <laughs> yes. They're, they're, they're in no clearly, way actual skeletons. No, they're Halloween decorations. That oh, they're that's like, true. Just put yeah. plastic <laughs> over it and no one will notice. The whole warehouse is, it like, just basically looks like a Halloween store. It, <laughs> it's a spirit Halloween store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this place also carries prosthetic devices and wheelchairs. Right. So like a true medical supply. But then it has something that he calls split dogs. Yes. And he says, those are rad, which is not the description that you really want. <laughs> it was the 80s, though. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. But he is talking about a dog that has been cut in half. So. Oh, totally rad. No, no, Mikey. No, no. <laughs> when he first said it, I thought it was one of those like resin models that you could like take apart and see the cross section. No. Not a real dog. But it right. is very much a real dog that is dead that they have cut in half. Yeah. First of all, I don't think split dogs are a thing. No. Maybe they think... used to be. I don't think they're a thing now. Secondly, the next thing he shows him in this medical supply are fresh cadavers. Yeah. Which, like, that's not how this works. No. He's also showing him, like, like the ropes of the 
facility they're in, right? Right. And all of that, from the moment Bert leaves to this part where they walk into the meat locker with the cadavers, is one continuous shot. Yes. And I thought it was super impressive that they did it in one shot because that's a long period of time. I mean, honestly, I really feel like the filmmakers that made 1917 saw this movie and they were like that first scene, but the whole movie. So here's what's even crazier. There's a, there's some really cool shots in the credits, yeah. which are still another two scenes from now. We haven't even had the credits yet. But yeah, you don't just store fresh cadavers. That's not a thing you can store. That's like... You sound like big government. That's not what Papa Reagan said I could do in the 80s with my cadavers. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, like, he has them on call. Like, if anybody happens to call for a cadaver. Yeah, yeah you don't keep them on inventory. Like, I have been to a few <laughs> research centers that do have cadavers just in storage. Like, I've, I've been in a room like that. But they do not hang them on meat hooks like are, <laughs> like are posed in this. They're on, like, slabs. Like, it's a morgue, right? They keep them for, like, research purposes. And you only get the number you need. You don't have, like, inventory on hand, right? Right. Um, but it's also a thing that you have to, like, order ahead of time. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah you got to call this warehouse and order it. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what this warehouse is, Paige. Duh. Yeah, Paige. This, uh, this is... is not what I mean, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they're clearly working with the funeral home next door. Like, the yes. funeral home next door 100% is burying empty caskets and giving bodies to this warehouse to sell. That is 100%. definitely happening. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That should mean that uh, like half the cemetery is empty coffins. But like, no, we find out that that's not the case later. <laughs> the next thing we cut to is what can only be described as a gang of 80s stereotypes walking down the sidewalk. I, I agree, Paige. You're 100% right. But they are stereotypes that would not hang out with each other. It's like Breakfast Club. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is every member of the breakfast yeah. club at once. But they're voluntarily hanging out with each other, which is insane. Yes. It's the week after the breakfast club. <laughs> well, and, and they don't. Here's what's crazy. Holy they don't. Shit, I want a shot for shot remake of this, but with the breakfast club kids, just like oh. literally in, like a, the week after. <laughs> the thing is, they don't seem to like each other, which I find they kind don't. of crazy. They yeah. don't really seem like friends, um, but they're trying to figure out what they're going to do that night. And one of them says, the cops said they'd shoot us if we go back to the park. <laughs> <laughs> and then he follows it up with, I'm in no mood to die tonight. And then a girl in this group that we later find out her name is Trash yes. says, I like death. And he says, you like sex with death, death with sex. And then we cut away. We have no further information. <laughs> well, well, okay. So you missed, I think, the most important line of dialogue in that scene. Because that guy turns around and talks to, like, girl with the crazy hair. It's like the wig that's, like, up and, like, sort of a mohawk. The, the and it's blue, blue and, and purple black. hair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, blue and purple. That's what it was. And he goes, do you like sex with death? And she goes, no. And why don't you fuck off and die? And I was like, ugh. <laughs> This whole thing was so she could say that, and it was not effective. It was not effective. <laughs> I mean, but it is effective of setting up the movie as ridiculous and just silly. Yes. I just got I just got obsessed with the fact that that one girl, not trash, but the the brunette one, looks just like Vanessa Bayer on like Saturday Night Live. She does. <laughs> now here here's the other crazy thing oh they my do. God. They do such a terrible job of introducing people. I did not know most of these people's names until the credits, and that's when I wrote them down. Yeah. I literally <laughs> called one of them 
Freddie's girlfriend because she's the one that's super. Tina. Okay, so that's Tina. Okay. Uh, we, we know Trash's name because she gets naked and they call her Trash to her face. And at yeah. first I thought they were insulting her, but that Me is a too. moniker she takes on herself. So, like, th- that made sense. And also we learned Suicide's name in the movie, but the rest of the guys. He wrote it on his car. <laughs> I know. Yes. I so know. this scene with them walking is also where Tina, Freddie's girlfriend, is hanging out with them, which, by the way, she does not match them at all. She should be in a completely different friend group. She looks like she walked out of a John Hughes film. Like, yeah, she's Molly 16 Ringwald candles. in 16 Candles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Paige, 100%. <laughs> I thought this was New York until they nuked it and they were like, it's Louisville. I was like, oh. I'm sorry, what about this set made you think it was New York? Fun fact, it is not a set. It was filmed on location in Bakersfield, California. Okay. To stand in for Louisville. Yeah, Um, but so yes, imagine Molly Ringwald joined the Lost Boys, and that's what we're watching, (laughs) walking down the sidewalk, being like, how do you feel about sex and death? And then Molly Ringwald is like, we should pick up Freddie, because she has an insane voice. She does, really. You're right. Yeah. He went to work at this medical facility, and they're like, okay, let's pick Freddie up. Exposition over. Yeah. (laughs) Well, first I have to say, he got a job. What a loser. Oh, my God. All I want to do tonight is party. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and and one of the girls, uh, forgive me, I don't know the name, but she goes, I just want a party. Like it's it's blue and purple hair, I think. Yeah, over the top, man. It's so funny. We cut back to the medical supply and Freddie is sitting across the desk from Frank and he asks him, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen here? <laughs> the weird opener. Yeah. Fair question. Oh, you think so? That is a very fair question. I would be asking the same shit. Okay. This is where Frank launches into a monologue that makes no sense, where he says, did you see the movie Night of the Living Dead? It was based on a true case. And then he proceeds to say that in 1969 in Pittsburgh at the VA hospital, there was a chemical spill and all of that stuff kind of leaked out into the morgue and made all the bodies jump around as if they were alive. Now, the problem with that is that Night of the Living Dead was released in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. So Freddie follows up with what chemical and what Frank says in response is baffling. And he says it's called trioxin. It was made to spray on marijuana for the army? (laughs) Question mark? I mean, I know that a lot of armies throughout time have used drugs to keep them awake and stuff like that. And I can sort of see the army giving... (laughs) Marijuana is not going to keep anyone awake. Oh, no. I thought that they were giving it to them just in case they did get shot and quote-unquote die. It would keep them alive and then eating brains of the enemy. And I think it's meant to be kind of MK Ultra ish where they were testing like LSD and stuff. Well, that they did. Yeah. This whole spraying stuff on marijuana just made no sense. You guys are really focusing in on these details. <laughs> You're really bogging down the enjoyment. Yeah, I mean, of the that's movie. fair. I think it's our fault to want to listen to what the characters are saying in this movie. <laughs> Clearly, Mikey. This is what I like to refer to as the boring part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it because Trash still has her clothes on, Mikey? No, it's because the can hasn't been opened. Pandora's 
egg hasn't been broken. <laughs> That's fair. Pandora's making omelets and we're here for it. So <laughs> Frank then says that the guy who made the movie, George Romero, was told that he couldn't use the real facts, so he changed it for the movie. Then he says that the army shipped all of the contaminated corpses out, but the bodies went to the medical supply and not the chemical company where they were supposed to go. And then he says, do you want to see them? And he says, see what? And he says, the corpses. They're down in the basement. They've been here for 14 years. And he then proceeds to take Freddy down into the basement where they step on Chekhov's third step. Yeah. Don't step on that third step. It's a bitch. Yeah. It's a little step shadowing because that yes. comes back almost immediately. Yeah. Yes. They go to the containers and he opens one and the containers have like viewing a, hole. like a viewing hole, like yeah. a window. Yeah. And there's clearly like an old, old corpse inside. Yeah. They're like oil drums with like, like a like curved top on them. Kind yeah. Of. He then kind of cleans the window, the like little viewing window. With his conveniently placed Windex and paper towels. Yeah, but okay, okay, but he did not rip off one paper towel. No, guys. He, he used the whole the roll. roll. That yes. was insane. Like I was mad that he did that. I was like, I was why? Like, He's not Do married. You know, you know what made me <laughs> mad? The fact that there was a payphone above those containers that comes back later. <laughs> but it's it's not just a regular wall phone. It looks like a payphone. And why would you put a phone there? It well, makes no sense. Because you should have called the number on the barrels 14 years ago. Yes. Yeah. And they, yeah. they didn't. They just refused to call the number for 14 years. Yeah. And then oh. Freddie says they don't leak, do they? And then Frank says, of course not. They were made by the Army. The Army Corps of Engineers. Yes. And it immediately leaks. <laughs> <laughs> and the, cue the music, which is like the best part. Cue oh, yeah. the music because this is the credits. And so yes. Freddie and Frank are passed out. The body starts to thaw in the in the drum. We get some cool ass credits where we see the gas from that drum leak up through the vents and out into the corpse room upstairs and it reanimates that corpse. And we get what is probably my favorite shot in this entire movie where you've got the reanimated corpse moving in the body bag and you've just got a slow dolly forward on that corpse yeah. down a hallway that is way longer than the room that we saw before but it makes for a very <laughs> cool shot it does as the credits roll over it after the credits end we cut to a giant mansion and it says 4 p.m pacific daylight time so now we know that we're on the west coast and it's about two hours later i love this part so much it's so insane because <laughs> this guy <laughs> is so so mean to his wife it's so And this funny. is one of only, he's in two, three scenes of this movie total. Oh, we get a lot of setup for his character, and we see him once for 30 seconds in about an hour and 10 minutes. Well, <laughs> we, so we get the setup here where he comes home for dinner, and he's in full army uniform. And I mean, like, decorated dress blues. Like Yeah, he just came from a parade. Like, that's yeah. how he's dressed. Yeah, he's a major, I think, right? He is a major asshole. That's true. <laughs> so he comes in and his wife is like, how was your day? And he was like, total crap, <laughs> which is 
great response. Yeah. And I'll say that's not why I think he's an asshole. You're allowed to have a total crap day and you should yeah. if you if you do vent with your wife. It was like he was like, what's for dinner? And she goes, oh, I made your favorite lamb. And he goes, I had it for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good Lord, this man is horrible to his wife. And this is where we see that he has a crazy armoire with a military computer in it. Yeah. The size of the armoire. Well, and it was he, the 80s. That's that's realistic which, in the 80s, yeah. Which we find out is like, it's so they can get in touch with me 24-7. I was like, oh, it's a cell phone. Yeah, it's a cell phone. <laughs> uh, and he, he checks in. He like picks up the phone in the cradle and is like, yes, I'm home. I'll be home for the rest of the night. Click. And then his wife basically comes in and immediately is like, I don't like having all that equipment in the house because it's messing with my oven. The microwaves are ruining my oven. <laughs> it is never explained more. I have to imagine that the microwaves are just overcooking everything that she makes. I think that was just her way to cover for her bad cooking. Maybe that's why he had lamb chops at lunch. <laughs> at my mom's house, I swear to you guys this, when she would run the microwave, the Wi-Fi would drop off. What? It, I swear it was happening. And my mom was like, it's not happening. You are losing it. And I was like, it's happening. I was like, it is dropping me when you use the microwave. And like we got into this huge argument, and I sounded like a paranoid, delusional person. You do, like, you're Michael. I can honestly just see Mikey at like 21, home from college, trying to play <laughs> Halo with his friends online, yelling like, "Mom, stop making the meatloaf! <laughs> <laughs> cool it with the hot pockets, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> Pizza rolls taste better in the oven anyway, Mom. Uh, yes, <laughs> I said put them in the oven." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so his wife doesn't like the equipment. It's affecting her oven. And this is where we hear the army guys say, we have to hope that they find them. Maybe we'll never find them. They could be anywhere. And it's pretty obvious that he's referring to... The zombies. So we get another time card that says 7.30 p.m. EDT. And it cuts back to the kids, yeah. In the car, which is like an old convertible that says suicide spray painted on the side of it yeah and they're all and i mean all like eight people piled into this convertible going to pick up freddie yeah where's freddie gonna sit that's like my one question god only knows i mean half of them <laughs> are on each other's laps and they're complaining about the car and this is where the character that we find out later is named suicide a la the side car paint uh says I like it. It's a statement. <laughs> <laughs> but he also, like, as he's driving, lets go of the wheel and turns around and tries to choke one of them to death while driving at high speeds on the road. I will say that suicide does have a point because they only call him when they need a ride and that hurt yes. his feelings. Yes, and that's what he complains about this entire drive. His name is Sue-A-Ride, not Suicide. That's what it was. <laughs> um, I, love, I love Suicide in this movie because he, and it must have been like a personal choice, for like an actor's choice, where his character has the most characterization of anyone in this entire film. <laughs> <laughs> where he has like an ethos and a point of view and he's like yeah you guys never call me no one ever wants to actually be my friend they basically just think i'm spooky no one wants to be near me and have some damn respect for the dead in this graveyard and you're just like who is this guy i love this kid because he looks like punk biff 
He does. He does. Yes. Every time he was on screen, I was laughing. He was my favorite character. <laughs> this isn't just a costume page. <laughs> <sighs> I do think it's funny that when Trash throws herself at him, he, like, could not be bothered. She is, like, grinding up on him full-on naked, and he's like, whatever, get off me. Yeah, I've got <laughs> notes on that later, because he has, like, a mini soliloquy. Yes. <laughs> it's really It's funny. amazing. I can't wait. We'll get there. We'll get there. So they drive up to the medical place, and it's still, like, 7.38, give or take. And they ask Tina, they're like, what time does he get off? And she's like, 10. And they were like, why'd you make us drive over here? What's wrong with you? We're over two hours early, Tina. What What's are we wrong doing? With you? And, and so Suicide says, I don't want to wait two hours. And somebody points out a cemetery right next to the medical supply. So there's a medical supply, a graveyard. And then on the other side of the graveyard is the mortuary. And so... They suggest, hey, let's just roam around in there. And one of them says, I've never seen a graveyard. I don't know nobody who died. Yeah, I've never <laughs> met a dead person. Like, <laughs> what? You're, a, you're an adult. <laughs> one of them, as they're kind of pulling their stuff out of the car to walk into the cemetery, just says, I just want to party. What are the road flares for? And then the road flares <laughs> never come into play as far as like the plan later. They just are waved around <laughs> while yes. trash dances. Yeah. They're not a part of the plan. They're a part of trash's stage show that she's going to be putting on in about 10 <laughs> yeah. minutes. So <sighs> they break into the cemetery and the first thing suicide says upon walking through the gates is just this place is a mess. <laughs> I do feel like suicide is a little upset that people aren't taking better care of this the cemetery. I do too. Yeah. While they're breaking into the cemetery, which has not been kept up, and I do think suicide is mad about it. Suicide's got feelings, man. So many feelings. Freddie wakes up in the medical supply, and so does his uncle. Yeah, like they're at the basement of the medical supply where they got gassed by that container, right? Right. So they wake up and they're coughing and struggling to breathe like they've been outside in Los Angeles this week. And, <laughs> and they were like, I realize it's hard to breathe, but I hear it was a boy. Yeah. Man. <laughs> the body in the container is gone and they think it melted when it hit the air. Um, and they're complaining, saying, basically, I've never smelled anything like that before. I think I'm going to be sick. The uncle vomits a bunch. Yes. And then they go upstairs. And once they get upstairs, we get a better look at them because they're not stumbling around the basement. And if you watch this again, watch Frank. Watch his sweat patterns. They're all over the place. They change shot to shot, yeah. scene to scene. <laughs> It is baffling where he'll be like covered in sweat all down his front and then that sweat's gone and now it's under the armpits and now it's the back and now it's a little bit on the front and the armpits and it's crazy. It's so noticeable, Paige. I thought it was intentional. Like I thought uh, they yes. did it on purpose. Yes. Uh, and he says, well, we shouldn't tell Bert about it. Let's just spray deodorant. And so he just starts like lysoling the air. Yes. Yeah. And he says, what was that? It sounds like a dog. 
and they yeah. walk down the aisle and it's coming from one of the split dogs that's alive and panting which it is extremely small for a dog <laughs> i mean i have two dogs the biggest <laughs> of which is maybe dog. 12 pounds but he throws it on the ground and beats it with a crutch yeah he tries to kill it with a crutch yeah it's really sad <laughs> Did you guys notice the dead butterflies flapping their I wings? I did. Yeah. I did, and I wondered why the skeletons didn't come alive. No, There's no brain to reanimate there. But there's one in the cemetery that's just bones as well. I mean, if you're if you're looking for continuity in this movie, <laughs> that's true, that's I think true. we're looking at the wrong place. Fuck it. <laughs> so they start to hear banging from the cadaver room they decide to lock the cadaver in realizing that it's now been reanimated by the thing that got loot the by that um, smoke yeah the container yeah so they run into the office and freddie <laughs> i love this part i'm sorry because frank is like yelling we gotta come up with a plan we gotta come up with a plan and freddie's like let's call the cops and, and uh, frank's like no that's dumb you can't call the cops well, let's call the army. No. At one point, he says, if you like this job, and Freddie just goes, like this job. <laughs> because it's his first day. Yeah. And this is happening. Now, during this scene, did either of you pause and read the eye chart behind them? Oh, my God. No. What did it say? It says, so the reason I noticed it is because it didn't have the typical eye chart letters. Okay. And so if you read it, and you can only read part of it because it's not really close enough to get a good look at. I And I didn't have the chance to go back and look in other scenes and see if you could see it other places. But it says, Bert is a slave driver. And then it gets harder <laughs> to read. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I love it. Well, that, and that brings us to who they actually call because they call Bert the boss. They call Bert and Bert is on his way. We cut back to the cemetery where Trash keeps talking about death. And she's like, have you ever thought about what would be the most horrible way to die? But she's like turned on by it. She's talking about literally like zombies eating her. And that is like her fetish. Yeah, it's Chekhov's sexual fantasy is what it is. Because like <laughs> she ends up describing the exact way that she dies. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something about. Yeah. Chekhov sexual fantasy. It's, there's no there's no guarantees. Wait, that's the whole thing with Chekhov, though, is if you introduce it in Act 1, it has to pay off by the end of Act 2. But I monologue about what I want all the time, and it doesn't happen. Well, yeah, you live in real life. This is a movie. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second time we see in this movie something introduced now in Act 1 that pays off literally exactly at the end of Act 2. It's like right. somebody was taking a screenwriting class while they wrote this movie. <laughs> I would not be surprised. So her fantasy is for a bunch of old men to eat her alive and she's getting turned on by it. Yeah. And she starts taking off her clothes and then one of them yells, she's taking off her clothes again, which means that this is a common occurrence. Oh, Paige, it's not only a common occurrence, they have choreography to compliment when it happens. Because and that's they, why they brought the road flares. Yes, yeah. They just knew that this is always a possibility, so they planned ahead and brought road flares. That's what you do. Mikey, no joke. That's the kind of friend I want to be for you. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're going to go around and, like, get naked and I'm going to dance around with you, but, like, I want to be that supportive of a friend that even if you did something that crazy, I would be there on board to yes and you in that moment. I, I think I related more to suicide in this film than the, 
than the rest of the characters. Yeah, that's fair. He's just as confused as us about what's happening and angry about it. Yeah, he's not He's not a fan. And she proceeds to perform a striptease on top of like a a um, sarcophagus, basically, like yeah. uh, an above ground stone coffin. And she gets what appears to be completely naked except for her leg warmers. Yes. Well, it was the 80s, Paige. You, you never took off your leg warmers in the 80s. Exactly. So... We cut back to the medical supply and Bert arrives and he delivers his lines with no punctuation and it is insane. He delivers conservatively four sentences in a row with no breaks, no no like stopping for breaths, no intonation in his voice. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's like a wild monologue where he's just like, what are you doing? I've got a business to run. You don't, didn't you think about me having a business to run? What are you doing here? And you're just like, <laughs> what is this? So I have a fun fact. The director, O'Bannon or whatever, he wanted yes. all of their lines read like screwball 80s comedies. Where like they're kind of stepping uh, all over each other's toes. So yeah. they, would, they would rehearse which lines would like be heard by the audience. And other, other things were like background noise. Interesting. Okay. Well, it also makes for if you're listening to the movie every once in a while, you just catch lines that you're like, what the fuck did they just say? (laughs) So he decides that their only option is to destroy the evidence and keep their mouths shut. And he says, are you sure he's dead? If it's reanimated, you have to kill it. How do you kill somebody that's already dead? And they decide to go with the option from Night of the Living Dead, which is removing the head and destroying the brain. Right. What worked in the movie? So Bert hands Frank a pickaxe, like a red fireman's pickaxe. Yeah. And he makes Freddy open the door and he says, when the cadaver comes out, brain it with that axe. And Frank is like, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. Don't make me do this. And Bert's like, you're going to do it. I'm the boss. You have to do it. Yeah. And then he shouts the combination to Freddy, who opens the thing. And then the yellow zombie runs right at Bert and jumps right on Bert. It's awesome. So I think at the time they had not seen Fast Zombie, so this would have been like a weird scene to happen. This is the first Fast Zombie. Like, I have other notes about it and the other firsts that are in this movie. Um, but yes, this would have been new. There there would not have been fast zombies before this. I mean, that makes sense because Bert was clearly not expecting it to run he at him. He was not expecting it to run at him, <laughs> still screaming. Yeah. And then he manages to pickaxe it to the floor. Which was pretty effective. It was pretty effective. It's just stuck in place. There is some special effects in this movie that I think hold up. Like, they're pretty yeah. good. Yeah. The one that we encounter later in the basement, I think, is some of the best effects in this movie you mean the tar man yeah yeah and the, the one they strapped the gurney at the morgue yeah 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 mm-hmm. so they then try to remove the head so now it's just a headless body running around which fun fact if you watch it closely because they have to then account for a person in a headless body suit yeah the torso changes yeah it's taller <laughs> the torso's like longer it's taller but it's also slightly fatter because they had to like fit a person inside it (laughs) i love this movie also the head is still moving on the ground yes they then suggest that maybe they should dissolve the body the bones and everything which 
if they had gone with this plan, I think the movie would have been over at this point. I don't know, man. I think it would still release the smoke, right? It would have released the gases. No, you have the tar man zombie in the basement. Oh, that's true. That's true. You do still have the tar man zombie in the basement. We just haven't. Um, that hasn't been introduced in the movie, but he is there at this point. You're right. Yeah, he is there yeah. at this point. Um, so they decide that they're not going to dissolve it in acid because they don't think it can burn up enough of it. But this is where Bert runs up these like little side stairs, stares out the window longingly and gives you this like exposition dump about the next door neighbor who is the mortuary guy. Yeah. Yes. A mortician. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I thought it was so funny because he looks out of that window like he's in a telenovela play. Yes, and they decide that because the mortuary has a crematorium, they're going to try and get the body over there and see if they can burn it. Right, but they got to cut it up first. But they got to cut it up first. So they start cutting it into smaller pieces. We cut back to the cemetery. Trash is still naked. Trash is still naked. Which I thought was insane. Yes, she's no longer performing for everybody. She's just kind of walking around. And suicide is just kind of standing, staring into the night, scowling. <laughs> I loved it. Suicide is like the only deep thinker in the bunch. Like he is really in touch. Or as I call it, my high school days. <laughs> <laughs> but he gives this like weird speech into the night. Yeah. There's just like nobody understands me. They always just say you're spooky. And then Trash, who is literally throwing herself at him, is just like, yeah. I like it spooky. And he's like, I have something to say. This is not a costume. This is a way of life. And she's actively <laughs> touching his penis. Yeah, she's trying to undo yeah. his pants to blow him. And he basically says, what's wrong with you? Respect the dead and stomps <laughs> off. He's the only one that has like proper respect for the dead. It's wild. <sighs> I bet you guys did not see that coming. No. no. And, and it made me so happy. The other two, Blue Hair and Nerd, look across the cemetery and they think that they see Freddy going into the mortuary building across the cemetery. And Blue Hair right. basically says, hey, is that Freddy going into that building? And the other guy's like, of course not. And then proceeds to try and hit on her. <laughs> <laughs> and she just kind of blows him off. Well, we find out later in the movie that she's never liked him. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was hilarious. That's one of my favorite points when we get to it. Because yeah. normally at that point in the movie, someone would be like, I actually always liked you. Let's make out. And she's like, instead, she's just like, I never liked you. And I hate that we're all about to die. And I'm with you because you're yes. the worst. <laughs> yes. I love so it. funny. <laughs> Cut to the mortuary where the mortician is embalming a cadaver. Yeah, we get to meet Ernie here. We get to meet Ernie. He has his headphones on. He can't hear them because of the headphones. And so when Bert comes into the mortuary, Ernie gets surprised and pulls a gun on Holy him. Holy shit, I just realized it's Bert and Ernie. Holy <laughs> shit. I have notes about that because that's not why they were named that. Oh, wait, really? Yes, which is even crazier for it to be Bert and Ernie and for the guy to be like, oh, I'd never seen Sesame Street. <laughs> so <laughs> I will. Oh, my that God. is in my fun facts because it's way weirder. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, I also like that. Like Ernie has clearly seen some shit because he is in a morgue with only dead people, but he's packing heat. And he pulls it at any jump. Well, A, it is truly Chekhov's gun. 
It is. But also B, uh, it's a very specific gun and it's tied to his name. We'll get to it in fun facts. It really? doesn't have anything to do with the movie, but it is important in fun facts. Oh my God. Okay, I can't wait. We, okay, I, okay. I have conservatively a page of fun facts for this movie. It's <laughs> insane. Ernie says, and, and he's basically explaining to Bert what he's doing. He's saying that rigor mortis starts in the brain and then settles in the muscles and it loosens up after a while or you can break it out by flexing the muscles. Yeah. At this point, Bert asks him a favor and he's basically like, hey, man, we've known each other for like 25 years. I need you to help me out with something. How long have I been selling bodies for you, Ernie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Each other well, a lot of money. Yeah. And Ernie is just like, of course, anything, anything you need me to do. Bert's like, great, bring in the body parts. And he's immediately like, not that. No, yeah. that, which like, you're a mortician. What did you think he would need help with other than disposing a body? That's like the only thing people would come to you for. <laughs> you see, Paige, Ernie would do anything for love. But he but won't, he won't, but he won't do, do that. And I would do anything <laughs> for Bert. I would do anything <laughs> for Bert. I would do anything for Bert. But I won't burn weasels. <laughs> Everyone in this movie has like really weird, like logical decisions. Oh yeah. They they pull out like a like a cart of moving bags and Ernie's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, he's like, well, I didn't sign up for this. And they told him it was rabid weasels that they came in as part of a shipment. You don't want to get bit. And Ernie's like, so call an animal shelter. Like, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck is wrong with Call animal control. <laughs> we don't want big government talking about my business. I have a reputation. He's like. Well, and he says, you don't run a pet store. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why people would be coming to you for healthy it's weasels. Such a, it's such a thing I would say. <laughs> he makes some really good points. Mikey, while watching this movie, I really did think, I was like, Mikey is the Ernie of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> The mortician? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's like, okay, well, okay, you don't want to call the animal shelter. And then, like, put him in the crematorium. And they're like, why would I burn live animals? That's so cruel. I'll just shoot them out back. Yeah, yeah he's like, let me kill them first, which I was like, they're going to die almost instantly at the level of heat in that yeah. crematorium. <laughs> Ernie fully just wants to shoot shit. Like, that, yeah. that is his motivation in this movie. He was just like, let me kill. Yeah, Ernie, like, 100% wanted to be a mortician in 1885. Yes. Uh, yeah, guys, you don't have a gun strapped to you 24-7 without wanting to shoot things. Well, this is this is where I'm thinking, you know, maybe most of those skeletons and cadavers that they sell at the medical supply are gunshot victims. Yeah. He shoots people <laughs> coming out of the dentist's office. <laughs> That's how they get the perfect teeth. the perfect teeth. teeth. Uh-huh. What you don't see right across the street from this medical warehouse and the mortuary is a dentist office. Is the resurrection <laughs> dentistry. I oh, do yeah. love that it's called resurrection mortuary. That's insane. So they dump one of the bags onto the floor. It's a moving human arm. It immediately grabs Ernie's leg. Does it? It does. I mean, it does, but it looks more like they forced it to like hit his leg and then sewed it to his pant leg. Yeah. They basically then say... We've got a long story to tell you. So at this point, the kids in the graveyard are kind of split up. And this is where the nerd is hitting on blue hair 
where she asked Vanessa Bayer. Yeah, Vanessa Bayer. Bobo Vanessa Bayer. Yeah. Bobo Vanessa Bayer. <laughs> what happened to Trash and Suicide? Which is the first time we learn that their names are Trash and Suicide. Yeah. This is the first point that we find out that their names are Trash and Suicide. I spent 80% of this movie thinking his name was Trash. <laughs> I thought because it was his car that said suicide on it that he was yeah. suicide. Yeah. You got to look at the details of this film. Right. But not too closely. <laughs> I don't think Trash was like her self name. I think that's what the, the name the group of friends gave her since she kept stripping down naked and dancing on top of gravestone. I, I guess. I mean, I would say that sex positivity should not be an indicator of the quality of a person, but. <laughs> They do all refer to her as Trash as if it is her name. Yeah. So trash is her middle name. <laughs> Excuse me. Trash was my father. And I'm all about sex positivity, but the last strip show was in Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Tina, Freddie's girlfriend, says, I'm going to go find Freddie. Don't go anywhere. Right. And then Spider, the only African-American character in this film, says, we'll wait for you. Don't worry. Right. He's also, like, the smartest person in this movie. He is the smartest person yeah, in this movie. by far. I will say that this is probably one of the best roles for a person of color in all of 80s horror. Oh, all of 80s horror? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the guy- Candyman. As, like, a well-rounded character who's not defined as a person of color and, like, not a stereotype and, like- Yeah. I mean, I think that comes from Night of the Living Dead where, like, the main character was a person I of color. I thought that's what it was, too. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. So, Night of the Living Dead, one of the, I mean, the main protagonist is is Ben, and he is a black man, and it factors oh. into the story, and it's one of the first times in horror cinema, particularly, where we have a black leading man, but it was also rare at the time in films in general to have a leading man of color, and that's why Night of the Living Dead is so important historically yeah. for film. Um, but I do think that he's kind of supposed to represent that archetype of a character because mm -hmm. he's very pragmatic. He makes plans. If it were up to him, I think a lot more people may have lived. Yeah. Yeah. He's also the one that's kind of looking out for everybody because the rest of the teens at one point leave him to die and he escapes <laughs> and then still tries to save people. So yeah. like he's like a genuinely good person. Yeah, he's a genuinely good person. So. We cut back to the mortuary and Ernie says, if I let you use the crematorium, what's in it for me? This is a pretty big thing. But he doesn't name anything specific. He's just like, you owe me a big favor, which never pays off. It, no, Paige, it does. But it pays off horribly at the very end when they're about to run to the car to get away. And Ernie has broken his foot. He's like, make it to the car alive, which is insane. Which he says to Bert. I know. And it's not. Come back and save me. It's not it's make sure yourself. I get out of here a lot. It is. I just want to live in a world where I know you live and survive. All right. So that just goes more ammo for my theory. That they're in a relationship? Yeah. Secretly. We cannot get bogged down in this because we've got tons of scenes until we get there. <laughs> I think he knew he was going to die at that point and it didn't matter. Fair enough. I mean, they all die. So none of this really matters. <laughs> so... They load all of the parts into the crematorium. And as they were doing it, I thought to myself, what happens when they burn all that smoke? And then the movie immediately answered for it me. It shows you what happens. They burn the body. The gas from the body goes into the atmosphere and starts raining down onto the cemetery. Well, on the kids. Yeah. On the kids. 
The teens run back to the car and Trash just leaves her clothes. She doesn't bother to gather them. She tried and then it got caught on something. So she was just like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to be naked the whole rest of the movie. It was insane to me. So Tina goes into the medical supply looking for Freddy. Then we cut back to the teens piling into the convertible. And one of them just says, this is an open car. And then... Another one says, I don't have any windows. I broke them all out. Yeah, Suicide said that. Yeah. (laughs) Suicide said he busted his windows out. (laughs) Which is so dumb. Why would you bust out your own window? Anybody. He has feelings, Todd. Feelings. (laughs) And then Trash is in the bag and she basically says, someone get me a towel. There's something wrong with the rain. My skin is burning. Yeah. But where do you think they're going to find her a towel? Yeah. Yeah. We obviously don't have a towel. This is why we call you Trash because you are inconsiderate. (laughs) so it rains down onto the graves we get a really cool cross-section shot of underground in the graveyard it is pretty cool we see water kind of dripping down and then through a coffin onto a pair of black shoes which is actually pretty cool yeah yeah we cut back to the mortuary and the body is completely burned which the timeline on this is wacky because it takes approximately 3 hours to cremate a body and another 1 to 2 hours to process the remains but that amount of time doesn't seem to have passed so uh fun fact about the yellow smoke or the mustardy smoke the director wanted it to be that color but the only way they could do it was by doing sulfuric smoke oh jeez so Wait, all the really? actors would like get sick it's basically mustard gas yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it is Well, that's a war crime. He just confessed to. (laughs) So we cut back from them having burned the body and Frank and Freddie do not look good. No, they're both super, super sick. Frank screams and runs out of the room and then scream vomits into the rain and then comes back in because he's being like burned by the rain. That's how you know you've had enough to drink that night. If you're scream vomiting into the rain, you are cut off and need to be taken home. Uh, Scream vomiting into the rain is going to be the title of my autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) So Ernie, the mortician, calls for an ambulance. Uh, this is where we find out that it's Resurrection Funeral Home. This is yes, the first it time is. he says yeah, it. That's where I had it in my notes, too. Yeah, and it was absolutely. Resurrection Cemetery as well. Yeah. Um, he tells them to pull around the back to the embalming room. He says that they've been poisoned, but they don't know what kind. And at this point, bodies start crawling up out of the ground. And it's... It's cool. There's some real cool shots that they get that they do reuse at the end of the movie. Yeah. But the first time we see them, they're pretty cool. We cut to the car with the teens. They're trying to adjust the roof of the car. And they end up ripping a hole in the cloth (laughs) roof and dousing trash in more rain. Who is still naked. (laughs) Who is still naked. Now I feel bad for her. We cut back to Tina, who is in the medical supply, and she finds Freddy's hat. So she goes downstairs to where the containers are, finds the open container, and sniffs. And the corpse from that container is still alive and in the basement. And he comes after her. And she runs up the stairs where she encounters. Well, they, also, he talks. He says, He Brains. does talk. He says, Brain. This is the first time I heard a zombie talk, right? Yes. Todd, uh, do you know what a, in a, a zombie person says who was like really into origami? Cranes. Cranes. 
<laughs> this is where she runs up the stairs and hits that third step, which breaks under her. Yeah, it's Chekhov's stair. So she runs, she hides in a cabinet. And at this point, we get kind of a better look at what they call the tar man, but yeah. basically the, the zombie in the basement. And it's a combo of really good makeup but also great physical work from the actor in that yeah. suit. Agree. He looks awesome. So good. She barricades herself in the locker and, and like she's looking at the thing. So you're seeing all the great makeup. And this is where this time watching I got scared because he immediately works out like, oh, I'm going to use the winch and the change to pry open her locker barricade. This is when yeah. I realized that these are the scariest zombies we've ever experienced. Because, because they can, Yeah, they're smart. They can use tools. Like, that's terrifying. So Suicide and the others come in uh, into the medical supply, including Trash, whose skin is burning. Because she's still naked. Trash's acting style is just naked. Naked. Yeah. She's a never nude, okay? No, she's an always (laughs) nude, Mikey. It's the opposite of that. After reviewing her filmography, she is a frequently nude. (laughs) Oh, is she? Oh, Jesus. Okay, yes. She's an always nude. It's a personal choice. There are dozens of them. So they hear Tina screaming and they run downstairs. Suicide goes first and immediately gets brained by that zombie. Oh, I was yeah. so sad. Such a bummer. And he's one of the only bodies that doesn't reanimate. Him and Scuzz is the other one that gets killed by zombies but doesn't come back. In theory, because they have also been exposed to the gases, wouldn't a zombie bite from one of them cause you to die but then come back? That's the one part I, I wondered about with this movie because it didn't seem to occur that way except with trash where trash comes back but like yeah trash comes back after being eight. I honestly got the feeling they just could not get trash off the set so they just kept writing her into scenes they specifically wanted her on the set and it's again we gotta get to it in fun facts or else we're gonna spend this entire episode talking about trash (laughs) through this movie should we just get it out of the way now and then not no because it is enough information to derail the movie (laughs) so oh hey do you know what gets derailed trains so they all run out of the basement, but they leave Spider guarding the door because they suck. So they basically leave Spider to die. Yeah, they do. No, he turns around. And he's like, we have to barricade this door. You guys are idiots. Yeah. Yeah. And he barricades it himself. He barricades almost all the doors in this film. They they literally abandon him. I was real upset by But because he's a smart person, he yeah. handles it and like survives. Yes. Yeah. So. We cut back to the mortuary where Freddy and Frank are now visibly corpse-like. Yeah. The EMTs are there taking their vital signs, and they're like, what kind of poison did they take? And Bert, who clearly does not care if they live or die, is like, I don't know, some kind of industrial chemical. And they're like, what kind? And he's like, no, I don't know. But he's like he's like a true business owner. Yes. He doesn't care about his employees. Yes. He yes. just wants yes. them to get back to work. I don't care if there's a pandemic going on. Yeah, and, and the paramedics are like, you know, if we knew the chemical, it might save their life. Uh, maybe I could find out. Maybe. I don't From know. From a tank. A witch tank? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> this is where we find out that they have no vital signs. Or right. rather, they have no signs of life. They don't have heartbeats. They don't have pulses. Right. And their temperature is room temperature. It was, like, it was like 70 degrees. Yeah. They now cut back to the medical supply where Spider has managed to nail the door shut with suicide down there because he is. Well, suicide's dead. They run across the cemetery, which is now flooding. 
to get to the mortuary. And as they're running through the flooded cemetery, skeletons are rising from the grave. It's pretty cool. This is a cool this is a cool part. Yeah. Now, Trash does not have shoes because she took them off. And so she keeps slipping and she keeps falling into puddles, which again is just more and more water with the chemical in it. Yeah. And she finally loses her footing and is overtaken by a group of zombies where she is eaten alive by old men, as she described in the first act of this film. But I don't think she liked it that much because some fantasies should stay fantasies. Fantasies rarely live up to their <laughs> expectations. <laughs> That's true, Mikey. Yeah. Never, never meet your heroes. They'll just disappoint you or eat you alive in a cemetery. Yeah. We cut back to the mortuary where Frank and Freddie are now with the EMTs and the EMTs are like, hey, don't freak out, but you're dead. <laughs> They're like, no, you're obviously not dead. You know, you're talking to us, Conscious, but we, just, we yeah. don't know what to do. Let's just go get right. some stretchers. And at the mortuary, all of the kids arrive after running across the cemetery or rather half of them do because they some of them have gotten separated. And so it's Spider, Scuzz and Tina that arrive at the mortuary. And they beg to be let in. Ernie lets them in. They lock all the doors. They tell him about the zombies outside. They can hear the screaming. Yeah. And they basically say they came out of the ground and they're after us. I think the screams are probably the scariest part of the movie because, like, zombie movies, you have like the the zombie mo- like the ooh. the moaning, yeah, yeah. But like mm-hmm. hearing people scream out in, in pain as loud as they can. Yeah. As like a chorus was a lot more creepy to me. Like this movie could have very easily gone like a more horror route and still worked very well. We find out that they're actually in pain and the only thing that can solve that pain is brains. Right. I mean, that's like six scenes from now, but yeah. yes. Yeah. So the two that didn't want to hook up, Blue Hair, uh, Vanessa Bayer, and the nerd run back to the medical supply. So they don't make it through the cemetery. They get separated. They run back to the medical supply and they say, where's trash? I thought she was with us. We cut back to the mortuary. The EMTs have gone outside to get stretchers to transport Frank and Freddie. Yeah. They hear the screams outside. And so one of them says, I'll get the stretchers. You get on the radio and phone this in. I thought this was pretty cool and scary. This is a very scary, very cool shot in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. He gets into the ambulance and turns it on and he's not looking up and the headlights come on and it illuminates just a wall of zombies. Yeah. There's tons of them. It's wild. And then they pull him out of the ambulance. They get his partner in the back. Yeah. It's mayhem. They finally get on... Is this where they radio? Yeah. This is where they radio. It's so good. The zo- yeah. One of the zombies gets on the radio and goes, more paramedics. <laughs> they cut back to the mortuary. The kids are explaining what's happening. They're saying that dead people are coming out of the ground. There's one at the medical supply, and there's hundreds of those things out there. Back at the medical supply, Blue Hair Vanessa Bayer tries to call the police, and a zombie crashes through the window yeah. and almost gets her. So they lock the door to the office, but that phone is no longer accessible. Right. Then back at the mortuary, they have noticed that the EMTs have not come back from the ambulance and the ambulance is abandoned outside. And so Ernie says, let's get out of here. We'll use the ambulance. At this point, Freddie and Frank are pretty clearly dead. Oh, yeah. But regardless, Ernie goes out to the ambulance, sees that it's abandoned. He closes the front door and sees a zombie eating one of the EMT's brains. That effect was actually really good. Like, he was going deep on that dude's brain. So the coolest thing in this scene is that he fires at that zombie, and clearly they have hired either 
an amputee or a zombie who is a little person yeah. with uh-huh. additions onto his arms. Um, because what it looks like is the zombie is missing legs and runs towards him on the stumps. It's so scary looking though. Like it's it was impressive. Scary. Yeah. It is so freaky. It was so, so freaky. Yeah. So at this point, we realize that the paramedics are dead. They've got to call the police or the army, but all lines are dead. Ernie just barely makes it back into the mortuary. Right. And they start to break through the front door. He shoots at them. Doesn't make any difference, but they're coming from all sides. He gets supplies to barricade the windows. They try to barricade the windows in the chapel, but he says that they don't need to because there's bars. And it's just a bunch of stained glass that they just like instantly ruined. <laughs> they just like rip through it. Yeah. It's like, fuck your stained glass. <laughs> I know. I do think that there are bars outside of them, but you can't see it because they can't get through. But they just right. destroy all the stained glass. They've now barricaded all of them in the embalming room. We cut at, back out to the ambulance where zombies have climbed inside and dispatch calls the ambulance and a zombie answers over the radio and says, send more paramedics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is the scene. We cut back to the mortuary where Freddie is in a lot of pain. And so Ernie, the mortician, is kind of moving his limbs. And it's pretty clear that he's going into rigor mortis. And they confirm that by kind of flipping him over, showing that he has blood pooling or lividity yeah. on the back of his back, essentially, mm-hmm. on one side where he's been kind of leaning. And at this point, Scuzz, who has a switchblade, uh, says, you're dead. You're going to turn into one of those things out there. And he's right. And he's right. Another ambulance shows up. They get out. They are instantly killed. Yeah. Like run down. Instantly. Yeah. (laughs) Run down. It's terrifying. They're breaking through the barricade at the front door of the of the mortuary. A skeleton hand actually reaches through and pulls Scuzz through. And he has a killer blood spurt. Yeah. Just like all over the door, like shining levels of blood. (laughs) And they pull him back into the mortuary and he comes back in with like half a skeleton lady attached to his head. Spider axes her spine in half as he's being pulled back in. Okay. Is that how they get half of her? Okay. Yeah. So they pull her back in. They tie the half a lady to the table and it's a very cool puppet. It is. Yes. It's so good, especially for the '80s. So good. Yes. I actually thought their whole interrogation of the of the zombie was like a super effective, like scary scene. Like yes. Batman interrogating the Joker, Dark Knight style. Because <laughs> they're asking, you know, like why do you eat people? Not people, just brains. Brains only. Why? Just the pain. What about the pain? The pain of being dead. Right. It hurts to be dead. I can feel myself rotting. Eating pain, eating brains makes the pain go away. Yeah. And we cut back into the cemetery where we see trash rise from the dead. And guess what? <laughs> Still naked. Still naked, but completely white. Yes. Like body painted white. And then she like thriller walks out of the cemetery and murders a man experiencing homelessness. I also like that it had been raining outside 
really like downpouring up till this point. And then she rises from the dead in the rain, immediately yes. cuts to a homeless man, and it looks like it has not rained there for hours. Right. <laughs> uh, the other cool thing is as she like dances out into that, she's dancing as if she's in cats and she's got the leg warmers <laughs> and the white skin and the crazy hair. And it's, it literally looks like they were like, oh, you were an extra in cats. Perfect. Just do that. Yeah. Here. I really like the dialogue exchange between her and the homeless gentleman where she was like, brains and he was like chains <laughs> oh, oh, brutal. oh man <laughs> i'm sorry so she she bites him and, and murders yeah, him yeah. we cut back to the mortuary and now that they've kind of got a little bit more of an idea of what's going on with these bodies ernie basically says to bert and spider we have to keep them contained until we f can figure out an escape plan and tina is not about that life tina is not about that life she's only making bad decisions today i'm not a huge tina fan because i don't think she has done nothing but scream in the whole movie well uh, and yeah it's freddie and frank scream as they carry them to the chapel where they're going to contain them and tina is crying the whole time but it sounds like she's laughing it's the strangest cry I've ever heard. Like, she's got a weird, <laughs> crazy voice to begin with. But then she's also just like, <laughs> and you're like, what? What are you doing? What are you doing right now? My favorite part of the whole film is like when they had to move her and Spider just picks her up. Yeah, yes. why? She could have walked. <laughs> I had no idea why he did There's it. There's nothing wrong with her. Yeah. But like, she's fighting with them because she does not want to leave her boyfriend, which I sort of get, but he's about to become a zombie. Like, and, and I think even one of it maybe Ernie that says it. I can't remember who says it, but they're like, we're not going to leave them or whatever. We're just going to separate from them from yeah. us because they are probably about to turn. I, I wish I was there because I've been like, he's literally ghosting you right now. Yeah. Before <laughs> your very eyes, he's turning into a ghost. Head cannon. <laughs> Tina should have been with Spider. Agree. Because, Hardcore agree. He's the one that kind of looks out for her yes. this whole night. He protects her. He saves her a couple times. Yeah. And she's still like, Freddy, no. And you're just like, just Spider is right there. And he's way cooler. So the cops show up to the mortuary. They find both ambulances. They get out. They're investigating. Guns drawn. They get attacked, they shoot first, ask questions later, and they get eaten by the zombies. They don't get a chance to ask questions later, Paige, because they're dead. They ask one question later, and that question is brains. Brains? Brains? <laughs> and this is where one of the zombies leans into the cop car and pulls up their radio and says, send more cops. Yes. <laughs> So back in the mortuary, they're trying to figure out what their plan is. They got to get to the cars. That's their only way Did out. Did we establish that Frank and Freddie have been moved into the chapel and they're locked in the chapel yes. with Tina? Yeah, because a couple scenes later is when that changes. Right. So um, they're discussing what they have to do. They know they have to get to the cars because it's their only exit. Ernie, the mortician, discusses potentially holing up in the crawl space, which is above the room that they're in right. now. He also suggests that they can try to burn some of the zombies with nitric acid which he says will destroy pretty much anything now then we cut back to the chapel where tina is and where both frank and freddie are really barfing and it's really yeah. gross but they're clearly dead and she's holding freddie as he dies and turns and he then 
basically says brains lunges toward her. She dodges it and he chases her around the chapel foaming at the mouth. But because her voice is shrill and annoying, (laughs) they hear her screams. I would argue it's because Spider's a good dude. And even though Tina made the decision to stay in the chapel with the zombies, he was standing by to save her if he needed to. That is true. I think when Freddy turns, it's like terrifying because he's like using knowledge from their relationship and being like, I know you would love me and do anything for me. So give me your brain. Yeah. And he continues to gaslight her when he's a zombie. Yes. Yes. It's insane. It's real upsetting. So they burst into the chapel. They throw acid at Freddy's face. His eyes. He's now basically blind. Yeah. It melts his eyes. They get back to the actual um, embalming room, which is the one that has the steel doors that they can kind of lock off. And this is where Spider carries Tina because for whatever reason, she can't walk all of a sudden. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Spider wants to call the cops. And so Ernie slaps him across the face. Which is another red flag. If if a business owner or whatever slaps you across the face (laughs) for trying to call the cops, call the cops immediately. Yeah. This is also where the half lady that they have strapped down to the table is like scream singing about brains. insane so crazy while her spine wiggles oh so good. this whole puppet is amazing in the attempt to save tina and barricade freddie and frank back in the chapel ernie has somehow broken his foot or at least that's what he says winky blinky he hasn't broken shit yeah we know what really happened head cannon i think he got bit that's what i think too back in the embalming room they're laying out a plan to get to the cars And Bert is like, I can get to the police car. And Spider says, great, I'll drive. Bert says, no, I'll drive. And then Spider just says, fuck you. Yeah, like they get really mad about who's going to drive the cop car. As they're leaving, this is where I started to notice that Ernie didn't look so good. Uh, His makeup is pretty pale. It's a little splotchy. If he's not supposed to be turning, his makeup is wild. (laughs) Right. They really try to telegraph that he's turning. Yeah. Uh, This is where he makes the deal with Bert, where he's like, you owe me that big favor. Oh, yeah. And that big favor is get away from here. That is not a favor. That is what Bert's going to do anyway. It's the most romantic line in the film. (laughs) So Spider and Bert get to the police car. They drive off. They literally have to mow down zombies. Yeah. And they leave Ernie with Tina. And this is where I started to get the feeling that Ernie and Tina are kind of creepy because he's kind of like holding on to Tina. It's very weird. He's very handsy with her in a way that makes me uncomfortable. I I hear what you're saying, but Spider had to carry her. So maybe he had to carry her too. She's not functioning due to her grief, apparently. Yeah. Well, she is hysterical. I don't know. He was just creeping me out. But anyway, so there's a crowd of zombies they drive the police car back to the medical warehouse and at one point spider is trying to direct him away and back onto like the main road and he just says this way you stupid honky (laughs) yes which is so great (laughs) oh yeah so they drive to the medical warehouse they go inside well i mean they literally crash yeah they crash into the medical warehouse and the car catches on fire right They get inside, and at this point, Spider's like, well, now we don't have a car. And Bert's like, well, my car is out there, and so is Frank's, so don't worry about it. And then we literally just see off in the, like, through the window, kind of in the side, that all the cars are now on fire. That's just, the fire grows. (laughs) We cut back to the mortuary where now 
Ernie is kind of leading Tina up into the attic and we hear Freddie calling for her throughout the mortuary. Well, through through the door to where they're sort of barricaded yeah. in, right? Because he's trying to get into that room as they're trying to get up into the crawl space. Exactly. Yeah. At the same time, Frank is in the crematory room and he takes his wedding ring off, hangs it on one of the switches. Oh, man. Climbs into the crematory and burns himself alive after basically saying he was sorry. But that just means more smoke. Yeah. With the gas like it doesn't help. Well, he doesn't know that. And he also he didn't want to kill people. This was like a like a strangely strong emotional scene. The fact that none of them have figured out that burning a body infected with this stuff causes fumes and that caused this is baffling to me. It's happened twice already. Yeah, and it seems like A to B. I'm going to forgive him since he was dead. Sure, I think that's fair. And he <laughs> yeah, just didn't want to yeah. kill anybody. Like, this is a sweet gesture, even if it causes more of a problem. Right. Because he doesn't do it maliciously. Um, it's all about intent, Mikey. Now, this next scene is where we see the line of police cars coming towards both the cemetery and the mortuary and the police helicopters. And this is where they're, the zombies, like, waving them in with, like, those yes, like, airplane, yep. like, mm-hmm. the guy who's, like, signals airplanes to, like, park where they park and stuff. That's what he's using. Yes. Yeah, so the zombies, like, wave them in and it's a trap and they attack all of the cop cars at once so now we've lost like 10 cars were the cops yeah in one scene this is the scariest moment i think because it shows you how truly smart the zombies are and there's yes. no way you can beat this there's no way you can win and they're announcing from the helicopter that there is a police blockade and if you'd like to surrender because they still think this is like people attacking people right that you should come to the police blockade. And so in the medical supply warehouse, they say that we have to let them know that we're in here and the only phones are in the basement or the office, which now both have zombies in them, which is lame. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is lame. We cut back to the mortuary temporarily where we're in the attic and Freddie is being a gaslighting asshole. Yeah. And he's trying to get into that attic and basically saying, I can smell your brains. I know you didn't really want to hurt me. What do brains smell like? That is a very confusing statement. Yeah. It's real strange. But this (laughs) is the scene where Ernie has the gun. Yeah. And he starts to point it at Tina's head where it looks like he's going to kill Tina to save himself. Yes. I didn't read it like that. I read it like he was going to notebook this whole thing. Yeah, it was going to be a murder suicide. That's what I was going to say. It's Uh definitely like the notebook, a murder suicide. Yeah, and and it may very well have have been that. It just, we only see him point the gun at her. Right. We never see him pointed at him. (laughs) So back at the medical supply warehouse, they basically have to choose between the office and the basement. They choose the basement. Right. Where they get down and they see Suicide's body, R.I.P., and we see that there's the phone right next to the container. Yeah. Which is like, why? This is the craziest (laughs) layout ever. They take a bat and they literally knock the zombies block off. Oh, which yeah. They claim they're going to do, but they knock his head off, which just kind of incapacitates him for a little bit. Yeah. Long enough for them to call the army. No, they call the, they call the cops first. No, this is where they call the no, army. They, well, they call the cops first. They talk to the commander at the, they call 911. They get connected to the commander at the police barricade where he's like, I've lost 14 guys already. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Like, what's going on? And then the zombies all attack the police barricade. And, they, and they, he holds up the phone and lets the group listen to the oh, cops yeah, being that's murdered. Right. 
this is where <laughs> so the zombies get to the barricade and they open fire and bullets do nothing and yeah. they're running towards the barricade as they're running we kind of get flashes of certain zombies we've seen along the way and one of them is trash who is literally like straight up broadway level cats dancing towards this <laughs> barricade it's insane i think she likes her new life i i think so too i think she didn't like how it happened initially but i think now she seems to really dig it she's fully embraced it yeah you got she's making yeah. the best of a bad thing so at this point once they realize the cops can't help them they do finally call the army which is when we cut back to Colonel Glover, which we now learn his name, Colonel Glover in San Diego, the army guy from the beginning. And he answers the phone and he just asks them a series of very calm questions of like, yeah. what did you do? And what effect did that have? And what did you do? <laughs> but like, we didn't need any of that. Like that, they could have cut out that whole 30 second conversation of which we only get one side of. I think it's better. I, I really liked it. I think it's set up for how calm he was going to be about what he does next. Oh, yeah. How he murders a town. Yes. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So and he asks them, and how many acres does the cemetery cover? Great. Thank you. I'll switch you back to Captain Turner now. And then he walks over to his computer cabinet. A printout starts. He gets on another call and just says, yeah, we're at Q2 status. We've found the lost consignment of Easter eggs. They're in Louisville, Kentucky, but the eggs have hatched. And so we cut back to the medical warehouse where he says, sounds like they have a contingency plan. And Spider, smarter than everybody, just says, what is the plan? Yeah. The only question you should be asking is that one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We cut back and we realize that they are just going to nuke the city off the face of the yeah. earth. <laughs> and we hear them basically setting up the nuke, setting in the coordinates. We cut back to the medical warehouse and he just says, do you guys hear anything? <laughs> it's like they hear whistling and he's still yes. on the phone. He was transferred yes. from the asshole major to someone else and he's talking to that person and that yes. person that Bert is talking to has to know that they're about to get murdered and he's <laughs> yes. just talking to him like it's nothing. It's not murder, it's containment. I mean, you call it one thing, I call it another. They are murdering a town here. Let's talk about nukes. <laughs> let's let's get through what okay. actually happens. So so there's a mushroom cloud yes. over a model city. <laughs> there's a record in <laughs> a freeze frame in everybody's lives. Yeah, basically, because it because it freezes on them in in the medical supply warehouse. It freezes on them in the attic, and uh, we hear Tina. And he busts through. As it, he does. He busts through as it happens. So we see a mushroom cloud over a a really poorly constructed model village, which is pretty funny. <laughs> My favorite model is the model of the uh, nuclear artillery train. Was it a train? It was on train tracks. It was like a it was like a big artillery thing on train tracks. It was so was it? funny. Yes. Uh but so it's it's a mushroom cloud. The time card says five oh one AM EDT. And then we cut back to Colonel Glover on the phone and he says, Yeah, only twenty square blocks destroyed, only four thousand dead, which yeah. is huge. Huge. That's more than nine eleven. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's a lot of people. Is it a lot of people? It's like one-tenth of a coronavirus. Uh, so <laughs> he continues and says, I wouldn't worry about the fires, General. Yes, people have complained of rain and burning skin, but everything should be back to normal by morning. 
which is how we know that it won't be because whatever they nuked just put all that stuff into the air. That's why everyone's skin is burning. Yeah, I literally wrote in my notes, oh my God, they're just making it worse because it's going to rain Yes, and all the cemeteries are going to come to life. Okay, head cannon. Also, nuclear weapons, not good for the atmosphere and rain. That's true. Because but- they have sequels, so I'm just going to assume that the nuke worked. Well, no, you could argue that the next section where they reuse footage of those skeletons and all those bodies coming up ensure that it did not work. They show you it didn't work, Mikey. Well, it shows you in the sequel yeah, that yeah. it did work, so eat it. <laughs> and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. Roll credit. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think this time when you watched it? It's genius. I really liked it. It's insane. I had to keep reminding myself that this came out the same year like Back to the Future did. Because that is such like a high-quality, great movie. And this is such a low-quality, great movie. (laughs) It is so bad it's good. It is the definition of so bad it's good to to And I think there's a lot of great ideas in this movie, and I just don't think they had the budget to pull it off. I think so, too. I think, like, if you made a scary zombie movie, which is not what this is even trying to be, but if you made a scary zombie movie with these type of zombies, that would be super scary. Fun fact. I feel like this is the precursor to Planet Terror. There are so many similar things about this movie that are also in Planet Terror. The only difference is the zombies in Planet Terror are easier to kill, but there's just way more Mm. of them. So Planet Terror is what happens this next morning as this movie ends, because there's way more of them. But yeah, I think it's a great movie. I think everyone should watch it. Yeah, it's tons of fun. I, I loved it. It was so much fun. I liked it a lot. I mean, and then watching it now as like an adult, I liked it better because I felt like the like for I, oddly the characters were better written. I have no, like every character was like decent. Like no one seemed like terrible, terrible except for like the kids. I think people are selfish. I don't think anyone is malicious, right? If that makes sense. I really want, sort of want to see what Mikey watched when he was a kid on TNT because you would have to cut out every scene with trash in it i googled this during one of our breaks okay because i was like how did this happen they filmed a tv version of this movie oh okay that was a thing people used to do back in the day and one of the punk jackets the back said fuck you yeah but then when they filmed the tv version it just says television version on the back of the jacket (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing so i guess trash wasn't naked during the tv version i guess that would make sense i don't remember any of that okay yeah that would make more sense this whole franchise is bonkers and i just want you guys to be here for it oh i'm here for it mikey i'm here for all the mikey movies you want to bring at us all right Paige, you want to do some fun facts let's do this shit hit us with the fun facts This movie is known for introducing the concept of zombies eating brains as opposed to just eating human flesh like previous zombie iterations. Wow, really? This is the one that that started from? Yes. Holy shit! And you'll notice in most zombie movies, they don't specify brains. They just right. specify flesh. That's crazy. Todd, this, this crazy 80s B movie introduced so many zombie concepts that fly that are still around to this day. That's insane. Because I've, I've not seen George Romero's zombie movie, Night of the Living Dead. I've not seen it. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead and then the original Dawn of the Dead. And oh. then there, there are sequels to that, too. So I assumed that that was something that was set up in that very first one. Absolutely not. Wow. Okay. No. This is also one of the first times in a movie and arguably one of the only times in a movie where they have talking zombies yes. as opposed to just moaning. One of the few other films is Day of the Dead. Uh, They teach a zombie to talk. 
And then in Planet Terror, the zombies talk. Okay. But in Planet Terror, the zombies are much more similar to the zombies in this movie than pretty much any other zombie movie in that it's more of a exposure to a chemical kind of situation. They're the scariest, man. The zombies in this movie, the scariest type of zombies ever. This is the first iteration of quote unquote fast zombies. Uh, it's the first film to show zombies running. This is blowing my mind. Like these are like industry standard things that zombies yep. are now. And they came from this shitty B horror movie. <laughs> the studio didn't like the fast zombies because they'd never been done before. They're like, your zombie movie's stupid. These zombies are fast. That's insane. Yeah. It's also one of the only zombie films ever where zombies cannot be killed by a headshot. Because even in the original Romero films where zombies aren't trying to eat brains a headshot will kill them right same thing with pretty much every zombie movie i believe that it's not until dawn of the dead that we get the famous phrase removing the head and destroying the brain but that becomes zombie canon right before this comes out as okay. well the film is also notable for its soundtrack. The soundtrack of this movie is made up almost entirely of unknown Los Angeles-based death rock and punk rock bands of the era yes. because they agreed to have their music in the movie almost for free, and many of them appear as zombies in the film. No that's shit! Awesome. That's awesome! The music is sort of like 80s bad, and I mean that like as a compliment. It is like everything bad the 80s had to offer, but it's also sort of awesome, and it fits yeah. the tone of the movie so well. Like, I like the music in it, but it's not great. Like, you wouldn't just blast this driving down the interstate with suicide, you know what I'm saying? I There were multiple points in the movie where a song sounded familiar but not... And I was like kind of bopping to it, but then I didn't actually know any of the songs. And it's just because they have that 80s sound, but they're from mostly unknown bands from Los Angeles. It's like Guns N' Roses Light. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's that. I mean, it's that era. Oh, I think you mean I think you mean Pistols and Tulips. It is a little more Pistols and Tulips and Guns N' Roses. Welcome down to Zombie City, where the brains are tasty and the girls are pretty. I want you, please take me home. <laughs> yes. Let's get into suicide. That's a weird <laughs> sentence, but I'm into it. So I was fascinated by trash and suicide. They were my favorite characters in the film. <laughs> suicide is not as interesting. He did some kind of low-level film work. And a little bit of TV work. He was on like uh, Murder, She Wrote and, and a bunch of stuff like that. <laughs> All right. And then died at 35 of leukemia. Oh. Only, yeah, only about 10 years after this movie came out. Oh, no. Not suicide. Let's talk about Trash. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Trash, when I looked her up, I recognized the name immediately. Oh, and really? couldn't believe that I hadn't recognized her in the film. Trash is played by Linnea Quigley. Does that name ring a bell for you, Mikey? Uh, yeah, I don't recognize it. Linnea Quigley is a noted scream queen. She has been in close to a hundred horror films. What? <laughs> yes. She was in Silent Night, Deadly Night, oh, Dead Heat. What? Nightmare on Elm Street 4. We did Silent Night, Deadly Night, Mikey. I know we did. <laughs> Shoot all Santas on sight. Best line of dialogue ever spoken on a film ever. She was in Night of the Demons. But most importantly, and the one that I knew her from, she was in Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Have either of you <laughs> seen Hollywood seen, Chainsaw I, Hookers? I have not seen that. It is 
nonsense. <laughs> like, we shouldn't do it. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> it's barely a film. Oh, wow. It's barely a YouTube movie. It's crazy. <laughs> but she has worked in B-movie horror and independent horror from 1975 to present. She still currently works in movies. That is amazing. Good for her. She works almost exclusively in B-horror. Almost like grindhouse and low budget horror that is her wheelhouse that's pretty much all she does and in part it's because at a certain point in her career that's where she would get typecast because that's all she'd been yeah. in so she at a certain point just kind of leaned into it and that's who she became and there's documentaries on her life there's a really? book about her life really super interesting when when i realized that that's who it was i was just like what are you talking that's insane that is amazing another note about her when she's dancing naked in this movie she had to be fitted for a cup shaped vaginal prosthesis that she wears for almost the entire film oh, no. and it is a Barbie doll crotch with no detail. And if you go back and watch it, you will notice that even though it looks like she is fully frontally nude, there's no flaps. There's no right. labes. There's no nothing. It is flat like a Barbie doll. <laughs> now, Linnea Quigley had no problem with the full frontal nudity. In fact, she has been full frontal nude in many other films, including Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Okay. But the producers of the film insisted that she wear it when they visited the set the night that her dance was supposed to be filmed. So she was kind of annoyed because she was like fully ready to do it naked. And they were like, you have to wear this weird cup thing. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so crazy. I actually feel better about the massive amounts of nudity in this movie, knowing that it was her choice to do it, that she's the one that wanted to do it completely consensual and she was just like i was fully ready to do this naked and i mean i guess if you guys want the weird barbie crotch <laughs> sure All because right. it meant that she had to go like sit in a bunch of makeup and then it was not easy to dance in because it's just kind of like glued to you right <laughs> like uh <laughs> so the tar man zombie in the basement is performed by actor and puppeteer alan Troutman. He's actually best known for his work with the Muppets, where he was a Muppet puppeteer and then he did this movie. The half corpse zombie character on the table was a puppet created by a man named Tony Gardner, and it was puppeteered by Tony Gardner, but then also the actor Scuzz, who's the Mohawk one, oh, which yeah. is why he's standing near the table. He's helping to puppeteer. Oh, it. no shit. Okay. Yes. Uh, and it was also a uh, production designer, William Stout, worked on it as well. And that character and that puppet launched Tony Gardner's career as a makeup effects artist because it was so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Now, let's talk about Bert and Ernie. Yes. So, <laughs> contrary to popular belief, they are not named for Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street. The director had no idea that there were characters named Bert and Ernie on Sesame oh, Street. Oh, God. <laughs> That's insane. He just named one character Bert because, and then he named the character Ernie as a thinly veiled reference to an infamous Nazi SS officer named Ernst Kaltenbrunner. And if you look closely, Ernie in the film seems to have a photo of Ava Braun on the wall of his embalming what? room. That is insane. <laughs> They also established that he might be able to speak German, and the gun that he carries is a Walter P-38. That's 
who he's named after, it's not Bert and Ernie at all. Well, fun fact, that is actually who Ernie in Sesame Street is named after. (laughs) (laughs) So I could see how that could happen, yeah. Now, originally, the character of Frank was not supposed to kill himself. He was supposed to transform and turn just like Freddy and join the zombie mob. But the actor didn't wish to film any scenes in the rain because it was cold. <laughs> oh, so my instead, God. he suggested that his character incinerate himself. And the director was just like, fine. <laughs> As we mentioned, this film has influenced, I mean, zombie everything references to the film can be seen on the simpsons treehouse of horror three as well as the episode where bart and homer get leprosy as well as multiple episodes of south park bert is played by clue gulager and my husband shared chili cheese fritos with him while watching nashville in 35 millimeter at quentin tarantino's theater the new beverly so (laughs) what there's that, too, I guess. That's amazing. Oh, uh, Are they friends? No, I, I don't think he's alive anymore. Oh. I mean, I'd be surprised if he was. I think they just had a chance meeting That's over some chili cheese Fritos. I don't think they shared shared. I think they just both had them, maybe. In my mind, they were feeding each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <not laughs> Lady in the Tramp style. Absolutely. And those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. That's amazing. So let's talk about box office. So this movie came out in 1985. What do you think the budget for this movie in 85 was? It was notoriously low budget. I'm actually going to say 500,000. Oh, okay. Mikey, what do you think? I'm going to say 1 million. Okay. The budget for this movie was $4 million. Really? Okay. 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 Paige, you're right. That is low budget, but I wouldn't say it's ultra low budget. Yeah. And it came out on August 16th, 1985. And the week it came out, the number one movie that week, sadly, was not this movie. It was Back to the Future. Yeah, not surprising. And Back to the Future had been out seven weeks and was still at the top. Uh, The second movie was Volunteers. And then Pee-wee's Big Adventure. (gasps) Love that movie. Right? And then The Return of the Living Dead was number four that week. And it made $4.4 million in its opening weekend, which is not bad. Oh, good for it. That's not bad. It made more than its budget back, right? And then the fifth one that week was Year of the Dragon. Oh, that's also a good movie. This didn't really get an international release, but what do you guys think it made total at the domestic box office? I'm going to say it made $20 which I know doesn't sound a lot in what we talk about these days. I mean, if you adjust for inflation, that's a lot of money. I was going to say 15, but now I'm not sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with 15. All right, Mikey. You are the closest. It made $14.2 million in the theaters. That's still pretty good. It's really good. It really is. I bet this movie had legs, though. Like VHS renting throughout the 80s. Oh, I bet it made money on top of money on TV and DVD and Blu-ray sales and that kind of stuff. Uh, if you adjust for inflation, though, that $14.2 million is like 36, roughly. $36.5 million. Just a side note, fun fact about box office stuff. Back to the Future made $385 million at the box office that year. But anyway, so that's box office. All right, that's Scary Scale. The Scary Scale, listeners, is a a scale between 1 to 10 of how scared we are while watching the film at the time. Yep. Not in any way a saying of the quality of the film. So 
Our number one example is Ghostbusters. Our number 10 example of Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Arachnophobia for me, though, personally. Well, and hereditary for me. So, yeah. All right. So, um, Paige, what are you going to give it? Oh, I'm going to give this a one. This wasn't scary, but uh, I really liked it. Yeah, same. I'm going <laughs> to give it a one, but everyone should watch it. It's definitely worth yeah. watching. And Mikey, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a one because uh, I'm undead inside. <laughs> oh, shit. Did you say <laughs> I'm undead inside? Yeah, that's what Fuck, I said. I love you so much. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, but I, I, I'll say that this is not a scary movie. Like, I don't think you're giving this a one because you're undead inside. I think it's just not scary. So this week we watched The Return of the Living Dead. What are you guys making me watch next week? Well, we are not making you watch anything next it's week. It's listener requests. Yeah. We haven't done a lot of zombie films. We haven't done a lot of found footage films. Right. So we, we did found footage as our listener request. <laughs> they picked Rec, and we do mean the original Spanish language version of Rec. Okay. So please watch the 2007 version of Wreck. I know a lot of people have been asking for this movie for a long, long time. It's one of the ones that we get messaged about the most. I know that one person in particular threatened to gently overturn his table at home if this one didn't win the request and it won. So I'm sure he and his table are very happy that it won. So watch the Spanish version. It came out in 2007, you said, Paige? 2007. Watch mm-hmm. that version of Wreck. I'm legit terrified. People have been telling me, like, when we announced that this one won, everyone was like, oh, it was nice knowing you, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm legit scared. It is only 78 minutes long. Oh. So if it makes you feel any better, it's going to be bad, but it's not going to last as long as others. That's like what's written on my dating profile. (laughs) Oh, Mikey. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I do, I do. Well, before you read it, let me let them know how they can have their review read on the podcast, and that is simply to leave us a five-star text review on Apple iTunes and uh, leave us a little text, a little something for Mikey to read, and we'll read it on the podcast. So, Mikey, who's this week's review from? This review is entitled Heart Emoji, Heart Emoji, and it's from Lauren Sky one Oh, Lauren Sky, thank you so much. She says, this podcast is so capitalized. Clap emoji. Good. Capitalized. <laughs> Clap emoji. I like it. I like it I a lot. I started from episode one about three weeks ago. Oof. Sorry about those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> She's binged at least 50 episodes in that three weeks time. Wow. That is a lot. And now she says, makes me want to watch the scary movies they've talked about now. Five Aww. stars. Well, Lauren Sky, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. You have a lot of catching up to do, but at least you're into the Mikey episodes. That's where they start to get real good. Yeah, I turned it around. (laughs) (laughs) I take full credit. You absolutely should. I can't believe how many reviews we've been getting recently. Like, we, a month ago, were in the 300s for reviews, and we're at 481 as of today. That is insane. So thank you guys for leaving reviews and checking out the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't left a review, leave a review so Mikey can read it on the podcast. We are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network, so if you want to check out their stuff, go to consequenceofsound.net. If you want to check out our site, go to horrorvirgin.com, where you can see links to the merch store and other great stuff like that. And if you want to follow us on social, we are at horrorvirgin. And you can also follow us individually. Paige is at, Paige, you got to help me out. It's Paige Wesley on Twitter, Rampage Wesley pretty much everywhere else. That's where it is. Okay, so Rampage Wesley pretty much everywhere else. And then Twitter, it's Paige Wesley. Mikey is at Mm -hmm. MRandolph24 everywhere. And I am at Todd J. Awesome. Uh, And if you want to listen to pretty much this show, but a romantic version of this show, listen to our romantic movie podcast called Romancing the Pod. It's 
Mikey Page and I talking about romantic movies. It's hilarious. This past week, we just did 27 Dresses, and it was bonkers, and Paige really hates that movie. I really dislike that movie. It's amazing. It's a great episode. Uh, and also, you can check out Paige's other, other podcast, The Cult Podcast, where her and Andrea Gazetta and Armando yeah. Torres talk about cults. It's amazing. Paige has two families. I, I technically have three. I'm also on Black Card Rehab with Crystal Adams every Wednesday as well. Yes. So guys, check it out. So if you want to help financially support the show, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin. We, we have a lot of great Patreon levels, a lot of great things. We actually opened up 10 more burn it down spots. So if you've been waiting to get on that burn it down level, there are spots available now. There hadn't been for over a year but now there are um, there's also one top level that we added and there's only one spot available so you guys have to go check that one out that one's my favorite <laughs> um, but and if you can't help financially support the show but want to get your daily free content join the facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin but we also link it once a week so just go to our social and you'll see it linked every week so uh join that awesome family that's growing i mean we're almost at 1300 members it's insane and it's very, very supportive. I love that community so much. Oh, yeah. That's going to be it for us this yeah. week. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. Have a great week. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Just say have a great week. Why does it have to be another thing? You'll, I say have a great week. You have to have your own thing. <laughs> Bye. Zombie nerds. This episode was brought to you by... Nick, Nick, Nick B. B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, yeah. He was a LARPer for a long time. Wait, a live action role player? Yes. What did he live action role play? He uh, role played the Spanish Inquisition and would run around. <sighs> and if anybody was wearing shorts, he would try to strike them. No one expects it, man. Just no one sees it. No coming. one does. Yeah. Nobody does. But also, you know, you can't just be walking around with your knees out like that. That's Satan's knees. What Satan's work is done on your knees. <laughs> oh. Gardening? <laughs> it's done on your knees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gardening, yeah. To create life, yeah, out of the ground. That's to like... harvest yeah. boners. <laughs> <laughs> this week was also brought to you by Ori. Ori. Ori tried to save a bunch of people who were trapped in a mortuary, even though it was surrounded by zombies. Oh, yeah? What happened to Ori? She died. We shouldn't talk about it. Oh, well, Ori, we appreciate your sacrifice. This episode also brought to you by Mads. Borka Borka. And this Swedish fun fact I thought was very fun. The Swedish monarchy is one of the oldest in the world, and it dates back a thousand years. It's also included 11 dynasties with the current one, the House of Bernadotte, uh, ruling the longest. The House of Bernadotte? Yeah, Bernadotte. So close to burn it down. It's so close to burn it down, which is one of the reasons I love their their house name. But John <laughs> Baptiste Bernadotte was the first of his line uh, on the Swedish throne. He was born in France in 1763 and was named heir to the throne in 1810. He changed his name to Carl the 14th Johan. I don't know what that means. The Swedish royal family is related to all the reigning royal courts of europe i mean many of the royal courts are all related because of the way that uh they intermarried during that time period so a little bit of incest going on uh in the royal families of europe touch a hemophilia here and there yeah these guys just bleed for days yes <laughs> we now return you to another episode of the, the patriotical okay
the relationship has made it to the crashed sub. Is the crashed sub underwater? Yes. Okay. Or so is it like a classic Italian? They're in the they're in the ocean. <laughs> like a sandwich page. I get it. I uh, get it. It's hit a meatball. And some iceberg lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> um so um Matthew decides to get into the mini sub because they found it. Tristam and Karun are in the uh the bridge of the relationship. Right. Well, I'd imagine Tristam stays there because he's dating the relationship. And he's just attached, like physically. Well, yeah, like an anxious attachment. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's a really good psychology joke. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Mikey. I appreciate your validating of my joke. <laughs> Isaac was like, I think I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize that was an option, but that's cool. And guard I guard Karun because we, you know, he's a space alien. We're not really sure what's up with him yet. Oh, I was gonna say people didn't sit one out during the Moonderdome when they could have died. <laughs> like they're really picking weird, weird times for their lifelines. I think in this. <laughs> okay, Kate and Eddie and Matthew get on the mini sub to go underwater to explore the crashed sub. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. tracks. Right. Well, because you know Matthew's gonna drive. And then Eddie has um, dolphins around the sub going with them because he talks to mammals. Right. That makes sense. And honestly, those dolphins just want to have a porpoise in life. Oh. They've all been reading this book, The Porpoise Driven Life. It's given <laughs> them a lot of good pointers. They also read The Sea Cret. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> those are really funny. Okay, uh, so they get down to the sub, and, and Kate uses their psychic powers to hold the water back so they can walk around in the sub. Oh, that's got to make it much easier. Yeah, they don't have to, like, dock with the sub. That makes it so much easier. Yeah, so they're just doing that and, like, don't ask questions. And uh, <laughs> on the sub, they find, you know, they had to kill some of the robots that were on the sub still. Matthew does that with a sword that he's been carrying. Oh, okay. I was expecting more like a Roomba with a knife taped to it, but okay. <laughs> No, they were like underwater sailors, submarine sailors. Seamen. You can say it, Mikey. It's fine. We're not going to make sophomoric jokes about seamen. <laughs> What's funny about seamen? I don't know. So he wiped the floor with them. <laughs> I mean, that's what you should do if you get semen on the floor. Yeah. Uh, then they find the computer and the computer doesn't say anything because they don't know how to like read the computer. <laughs> so they have to like cut it out and take it back to Tristan because he's a fucking robot. <laughs> So they, they go back up with the computery stuff, the hard drive and some stuff to make it work. So then Tristan was like, well, okay, hook that up to the relationship. So they do that, and they're like, okay, we have to go to Sweden. What? Apparently, there's a bunker on the coast of Sweden that is really, that's where this sub came from was Sweden. Okay. They'll find out more about the Illuminati. So they're, they're like, we have to head there immediately. Is it because the people on the sub could only talk to Swedish fish? Yeah. <laughs> or because it was built from a flat pack sub kit from ikea <laughs> honestly they just want to know how to fix it but the instructions are very confusing <laughs> and they're missing a screw <laughs> but sweden's under like the complete control of the illuminati like the sunny d virus didn't get very far and all of the people are like super safe but they're super in the illuminati stuff so what's in sweden that's so important are we finally going to get to meet the head of the globalist agenda why is mikey starting to sound more and more like alex jones every episode find out <laughs> next week on another episode of the, the patreonicals Patreon 
Consequence Podcast Network.